You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. If you've got questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, financial planning, retirement accounts, you name it, we'll talk about it here on the air. That's what we do here. We take your calls, we answer your questions, and we're going to get to those in just a little bit. I do want to remind you that the the year is winding down fast. Before you know it, December's going to be here, and then it's going to be 2015. Have you done any formal planning for your business for next year or for your money for your next year or for your life, for your health, whatever it might be? Now is the time. You know, I talk about this every year in January, you know, the first week in January, I'll start making fun of all the people who wrote down a bunch or probably didn't even write them down, but talked about a bunch of new year's resolutions that won't make it through the end of January. That's pretty typical. We have this habit of, you know, it's a new year. Let's make some resolutions. Very seldom ever works. And it's because people don't do it the right way. They don't get it in writing. They don't figure out all the reasons why they want to do these things. They don't follow and track. It's just pretty typical. And I've talked about this many times. When I was going to the gym a lot, which I need to get back to, uh, I used to hate January. In fact, in January, I would usually try to find other things to do other than go to the gym. I, I would go maybe run outside or try to ride my bike or whatever I could get done because The gyms in January are a disaster. Everybody makes a New Year's resolution to get in better shape. First week in January, they go join a gym. They're committed for a week or two. By by the first week in February, the gym's back to normal. Really, it's amazing to watch. I've watched it year after year after year, and it's pretty typical. So don't do New Year's resolutions the way people traditionally do. Instead, why not start planning your 2015 right now? And the way that I like to do this is I'd like to make it an event. The planning, I like to make that an event. Might even be an entire weekend, depend, uh, depending on how much you want to plan for. But if you want to sit down and, and kind of design a life, wouldn't that be wonderful? What if you could design your life exactly the way you want it? Well, guess what? You can. Nobody's stopping you. Sit down and design your life exactly the way you want it and then start working towards it. It really is that simple. But get it in writing and and pick a time. Set it aside. I'd like to go someplace that I really enjoy. Uh, Maybe a nice park that you like somewhere, a nice hotel, a resort, wherever, wherever you like to be. Cabin in the mountains, on the beach, uh, just a quiet, you know, nice bed and breakfast somewhere, whatever sounds exciting and fun to you. Make it fun. 
if you're married and, you know, I'd love to see you do this with your spouse. And again, this can be business planning, could be financial planning for your money, could be planning for your relationships or your health or whatever. Design things the way you want them to be and get them in writing and do it Do it in December. You know, or, or between now and the end of the year is a great time. We will do this as a company here at Let's Truck. We always do. Uh, I'll do it as an individual. Lisa and I will get together and we'll get some of our plans down for 2015. It, it really is. I, I think it's a lot of fun. I, I look forward to it. Yeah, get away, turn off the phones, turn off the email, and just really get down to designing your life and, and all the different aspects of your life. If you have any questions about that, I can certainly help you out. We can talk about that or anything else you want. Let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to Texas to get started today. Abdul, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. Thanks for everything you've done. Uh, thanks to you, I have my own tractor, trailer, and my own authority. Excellent. And thank you for everything you've done. You're welcome. Um, Yes. Um, my question today is, uh, basically, in May, I, I hauled a, a reefer load from California to Massachusetts, Boston. Um, I hauled for TQL, and basically, um, the, the reefer, I, I set it on 34 degrees all the way throughout the trip. And once I got to Boston, and, you know, they, uh, they took off the, the, the temp tail, and they were saying, oh, it was fluctuating or whatever. So I went over to, um, you know, once they took off the load, they put down uh, in protest or something like that on the bills, and they let me go. And I went to the uh, carrier, and they did a printout. And throughout the whole trip, you know, it was correct. I put it on, you know, it was saying, I mean, I, I put it on 34, and it showed 34, and there was nothing wrong with the reefer. So TQL, what they did was they withheld three loads, included that one. It amounted to be like $7,000. And uh, there was a uh, insurance claim, so I called my insurance, and they told me since there was no reefer breakdown, there's nothing that we can do for you. You know, they turned it down. So what TQL ended up doing was they took that seven thousand, and the damage came out to be like twenty thousand. They deducted from it, and right now TQL is trying to sue me, and I don't know where to go from here. You know. Oh, why is TQL suing you? Who? who... Did, have you received all the money you were supposed to get yet? I haven't received anything. And the weird thing about this load was they, uh, when I picked it up, they put three seals, one on each door and one on the vent. Usually I check the temperature inside with the vent, you know, because it's, it's a long haul. And I always, you know, checked it. There was nothing to check. It was sealed. Right. The trailer was sealed throughout. Yeah, they haven't paid me. So they're holding uh, over seven thousand dollars, and also suing you. How much are they suing you for? Right now, they suing me for thirteen. Originally, the 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 load uh, damage was for twenty thousand. They with they took the seven thousand that they were uh, holding up for me, the other loads, and they put it towards the twenty thousand. And now they're trying to sue me for thirteen thousand. Wow. First of all, I'm not sure if they can do that with the other loads. Just I, I don't think they can randomly withheld. You know, this is an area that I'm not real knowledgeable in, though. This is, you know, with these kind of numbers, I think you're going to have to get an attorney. 
you know, you've got a lot of weird things going on here. Typically, if there was damage, insurance should cover it. But you've got the weird thing. Insurance say, wait a minute, nothing went wrong. There's nothing for us to cover. The, you know, the consignee must be saying the load was, you know, destroyed. There's just so much weird stuff going on here. You've got a broker that's withheld money already, and I don't think they can do that. Plus, they're going to sue you for the balance. I, I really think you've got to get an attorney here who is familiar with transportation law. Uh, are you part of the any of the groups on Facebook, uh, like Rate Per Mile? Are you following any of the podcasts? No, I don't have a Facebook, but I'm going to have to create one now. And yeah, it, the, the reason being, we have some groups that are really more focused on the small carrier side. So they cover a lot of topics like this. Uh, Rico's podcast, which is about rates and lanes, he always brings on um, a, a really good transportation attorney. Now, I don't know if that firm would take on a case like this. They might. But even if they wouldn't, they could probably make a recommendation for you of somebody who could. Okay, okay. And um, how do I listen to that podcast? Uh, let me think the easiest way here. Uh, we're still building our network page, but if... if um, you know, the easiest way is Facebook, believe it or not. Okay. Yeah, if, if you if you get on Facebook, send me a message. Uh, the other thing you could do uh, is send an email to support at letstruck.com. Support at letstruck.com. Yeah, and then we, we can send you a link back uh, to the podcast. We can put you in touch. I'll even put you in touch with Rico because he could probably help you out with this better than I can. Yeah, I, I appreciate it because, you know, I mean, my first year so far, I mean, it was kind of rough, but I'm looking forward to next year. And I've met some great brokers since I haven't dealt with TQL for so long. And um, I'm looking forward to next year. And I want to thank you again for everything you've done. Good. Good. I'm going to put you back on hold and Lisa's going to pick you up and we'll get you in touch with the people uh, you need. In fact, Lisa will take care of you. We don't even need to do the email thing. Um, we'll we'll get you in touch with who you need. This is an area that I don't really have a lot of experience, so uh, I'm not even going to attempt this one. This is a lot of money. You want to make sure you get this one done right. We've, uh, we're going to get to a break. I hear the music playing, and uh, we've got lots more stuff right around the corner. Don't go away. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. When you land there on the uh, homepage, you can see our new recording schedule, which is every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday afternoon. Uh, so check that out. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. 
We're going to get right back to the phone calls. We're off to uh, BC. Sean, welcome to the program. Uh, good afternoon, Kevin. Oh, I got a friend here. I belong to Race Per Mile, and I don't have a lot to say about it, but it's very, very informative. Now, when somebody sticks a lease purchase truck on there, there's no reason to comment on it. It's just a matter of deleting the thing. That has nothing to do with rates. You have no control over anything when you lease a truck. You're a glorified company driver with the, all the risk involved. It's ridiculous. And, and to put that in a, a group like that, it has to be watched a little more carefully. You know, now, let me uh, let me comment on that before we get to your question, because this is something we've been dealing with for about seven years now. When I when I started the radio show seven years ago, we also started our, our website, which was our social networking site, which had the forums and the blogs and all that stuff. And my thought back then was, I'm a firm believer in freedom of speech, personal responsibility. We don't need to monitor this stuff. We don't need to, you know, edit it. We don't need to censor anybody. Say what you want to say. We're all adults. And unfortunately, that was a horrible failure. The problem with that is the the people who want good information just get so tired of the idiots. And it seems like the idiots have no life. Uh, they're living in their mom's basement and they have all day just to post nasty stuff on, you know, Internet message boards and, and just cause havoc. And you have to get rid of those kind of people and you've got to monitor it. And but then you've got to be careful because what do you censor? Do you censor somebody just because they don't agree? It can't have that. We, we want disagreement. But when you have a very targeted group like rate per mile, you do have to censor the stuff that that isn't relevant to that group. Otherwise, everything gets lost and you can't find it. The group will fall apart. So it's a challenge. There's no question. Now, I I, what what I would like to do and, and we're working towards this is. As much as I don't like lease purchases, I just don't. And I will continue to try to talk people out of them. But I also know that we have tons of listeners who are in them and we're going to continue to get listeners that are in them. So I will eventually be starting a group and a podcast and some resources to help those people as much as we can. And maybe the help is we show them the numbers and convince them to get out of it. Or maybe we look at the numbers and say, well, you know, this one's not horrible. Let's try to get you through it. But that what we're getting to is we're getting to the point where we're really starting to have groups and shows that are targeted to really specific information. And I like that. Okay, I, I agree. If, if they got enough lease purchases out there, maybe they should form their own face group so they can discuss the problems and issues that they're having in it, and, and they can come to resolutions. Uh, but yeah. in rate per mile, that's strictly owner-operators with their own authority, right. and I belong to it not, not because I, I really belong there, but I can get a lot of valuable information out of it, and I just sit back and watch it. Yeah, Maybe I'll it, put a comment on And that's a good point. Just because you don't have your own authority doesn't mean you can't be a part of that group. You certainly can. We want people to be a part of the group because that's how you're going to learn to get to that next step or get that knowledge. But we all have to be aware. Don't don't junk up the group or the the forums or the post with stuff that isn't relevant to what that group is all about. Yeah. Um, Well, 
I was doing some city delivery in Vancouver yesterday, and you know, you used to have a highway truck, you ran it for five years, you put it in the city. Well, I'm looking at these city trucks, and I want to buy them and put them back on the highway. <laughs> they're, running around, they're running around with 98 uh, Peterbilts with the Series 60 in them. They're running around with, with Volvos with cats in them. Yeah, they're running you're... around with miners uh, with Detroits in them. It's like, yeah. get rid of your truck. And, and they are completely rebuilding them because some of them know what they're driving. You know, that's a good point. Here's the other thing, and we've said this a lot, but I'm going to say it again. There isn't anything on that truck, pre-emission trucks, there isn't anything on that truck we can't fix. And people say, well, you're not going to be able to do that forever. Well, you know what? Maybe not forever, but for a very, very long time. I mean, think about it. If I had a a 1985 Kenworth right now, which would mean that truck is coming up on 30 years old. Did I do the math right? Yeah, that truck's coming up on 30 years old. If I had one of those right now, there's not, there isn't a part on that truck I can't go buy somewhere. Parts are still easy to get for 30-year-old trucks. So Yeah, the problem is, sorry. Yeah, so if I'm running late 90s, early 2000s, I've got years and years and years that I am still going to be able to buy parts and keep those trucks on the road. Yeah, the problem with the 85, you'd be dealing in a mechanical engine. Yeah, Some exactly. Some guys like mechanicals, Yeah, I don't, they're not mechanically inclined. Well, you need, I, a, you need electronic. Yeah, I've said that I would never have a mechanical engine to make money with, and I mean that. But I, I was just using it as an example of how long parts really are available for these kind of trucks. Well, the FLDs will be around for years and years yeah. and years. Yeah, yeah. So many of them. Exactly. So uh, we're, we're sticking with... Uh, you know, our recommendations stay away from the emissions trucks, anything after 04. And it is kind of funny. You're right. That was the pattern. You would run the truck over the road for a while, sell it. It might go into a city operation. And now we want to actually bring those back. Let's go to Iowa. Nigel, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. Uh, first of all, congratulations on becoming a grandfather. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Very exciting. Uh, yeah, so that is. I've uh, just got a question about uh, having your own authority and being a carrier. Uh, if you're in that position, do you have to employ, if you're looking to expand, do you have to employ uh, you know, any company drivers or can you run that operation just solely running lease operators? Uh, yes, you can run it just lease operators alone. And I think that for the most part, that's going to be a better strategy moving forward right now. And that's because I just think it's, it's going to be easier to find owner operators than it is going to be to find drivers. That's my opinion. And, and, you know, there's good rates. Um, There are a lot of owner operators out there that won't want to go through the trouble of getting the authority, going through all the hassle, all the compliance, the collections, all that other stuff. And they'd be interested in working, you know, for a small carrier that has good freight. So, uh, yes, you can absolutely, if I have my own authority, there's a couple ways I could do this. I could have my own trucking authority, my own common carrier authority, and I could lease owner operators under my authority and, and move all of my freight with them. And I could do that even if I don't have trucks or I could have a couple trucks or one of my own and still bring on owner operators. Uh, or, or if I have my 
carrier authority and my broker authority, now I could lease trucks on under my authority or I could broker freight to other carriers. Yeah, that's that's the business model I'm sort of looking at because, uh, you know, that way you you could uh, comfortably be taking, you know, 25000 30000 a year uh, from a lease operator at 10%. Yeah, and you don't need you don't need many of them to be able to sit in the office at home and uh, have a relaxing day and still be banking, you know, in excess of hundred hundred and fifty thousand a year. Oh yeah, yeah. You you could run a, a small carrier, small broker operation. I know people who do it and do really well. You know, and and the thing I like is you've took the human element out of it. You know, with the company driver, nothing against them. But then you haven't got all the hassle of, uh, you know, finding drivers and when things go wrong and, and the equipment as well. Oh, You've yeah. You've not got uh, truck, trucks and trailers to maintain or if you, if you lose a driver, you've got a truck and trailer sat in the yard costing you money and earning nothing. Well, here's you know, all that's disappeared. Yeah, here's a great example. Uh, you know, if we take this idea to the extreme, I would much rather be the CEO at Landstar than I would be at Swift, and and Landstar yeah. really is the the model we just described. Landstar is what's called a, a non asset based carrier. They don't own equipment. They they're just a yeah. logistics company. They just move freight, but they don't own any equipment to do it. They don't own any trucks. They don't own trailers. They own very little real estate. Couple locations around the country. They're very very uh, light. I mean, they're not a, an asset-heavy company, which is – I like that. Uh, I would much rather run a company like that than run a company like Swift, which is loaded with assets, trucks, trailers, company drivers. I mean, what a, what a difference in the level of complication in those two companies, yet they do the same thing. They both move freight around the country. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, I've been looking at it from both sides, and uh, and I think, you know, for me, I think that's the uh, the best way forward. You know, you can still make the same amount of money without uh, all the headaches that come with it. Like, yeah, I agree. So so much less risk. Um, anytime you go asset heavy in business, when you have a lot of capital assets, that that adds a lot of complication and risk to a business. When you look at asset light companies like a Landstar, you know, they're able to focus on what they do best. They're not distracted with all those other issues. I like that model. I'm going to get to a break. We've got more stuff right around the corner, so don't go away. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. We're off to Texas. Karen, welcome to the program. 
Congratulations, Grandpa Kevin. Ah, uh, thank you. Thank you. What's on your mind today? Um, I need to understand about qualifying for DM. We're company drivers, and we get paid $0.08 cents a mile, and it goes on the per diem side on our payroll. Okay. So no taxes are taken out of that. Correct. I was told that that's a non-qualifying per diem plan. Uh, that is not correct. That is a qualifying per diem plan. The IRS has been very clear about this. The reason some people think it's not a qualifying plan is because it's not done per day, which is what per diem means. Per diem is per day, and this isn't per day. This is a mileage. So 15 years ago, I questioned this too, and then we went and dug into the research and you know checked with the IRS, and the IRS said that you can use a mileage plan. That is a, an accountable plan. And all you have to do is make sure it doesn't exceed the daily allowance. And that's pretty simple to do. And if it does exceed the daily allowance, there are things you can do to correct it. You could give the money back or you can be taxed on it. But I don't know. This, this clearly is. Where did you hear that it wasn't? Who told you that? On the Nemo show. Yeah, uh, that's not true. Well, that's yeah, that is absolutely not true. I mean, come on, let's think about this. How long have companies, big, big companies, the the Swift, Schneiders, J.B. Hunts, all of these companies, well, maybe not all of them, but there have been very, very big companies that have had per diem plans for years, right? Just like this. Right. Do, do we really think that after 30 years of this with with big carriers that, that the IRS wouldn't have caught on now if these weren't qualified plans? Okay. And so all I do is, is, even though we ran more miles than what we're getting paid for, I take what we got paid on the per diem side, figure out, let's say we were out 200 days, I figure that out, and then I take 80% of that amount and I subtract off what they've already given us, right? And that's the rest of the per diem that they owe us, the, uh, well, that I take off our taxes. Correct, except you don't calculate the 80% on this one yet. So here's the way you're almost there. Here's the way you do it. You take the number of nights you're away from home for the entire year. You multiply it by the per diem rate, which is $59 a day. Then you subtract what you received as per diem pay. So you go back to the $0.08 cents a mile for the whole year. And I'm just going to throw some numbers out here. Let's say you qualified for $15,000 worth of per diem. But when we calculate how much you received, you only received 10. Well, now we get to take the 5,000 left over and call that a tax deduction on the tax return. And then we would calculate the 80%. Okay. Okay. But that's right. that's well, how you do it. You so We've done it that way for years and years. And I don't know what why somebody would say this is a non-qualifying plan. The IRS has been very clear that you can use a mileage allowance for per diem, even though per diem is per day. You just have to make sure you don't exceed the $59 a day. And, and well... I was going to do some quick math, but we don't need to. Let's uh, let's get to some phone calls. Let's head off to Oklahoma. Jason, welcome to the program. 
Well, thank you, Kevin, for taking my call. It's always an honor when I have the opportunity to speak to you. Well, great to have you here. What's on your mind today? Well, this is November, and this time of year, even though most society wants to skip over it, it always reminds me of Thanksgiving. And I thought maybe I'd just call and say how thankful I am that I don't think I could found a better carrier to be with. And I am uh, leased on to Mercer Transportation, been with them since the middle of June. Oh, good. And good. Uh, it's been great. It's uh, been the, uh, the freight's been just awesome. The people there, always easy to talk to, very simple to deal with, and very easy. And even out here on the road, the other day I was out in Boise. I uh, shut down, backed into my parking spot. Before I even got my paperwork done, there's a driver standing at this, out right outside my door saying, Hey, Mercer, how you doing? My wife and I are going to have breakfast in the morning. Come have breakfast with us. And <laughs> another Mercer driver right there, and it just seems like it's like that all the time. It, and uh, I'm so happy, tickled to death. Well, you know, I love the fact that you're taking the time to be thankful for that. Uh, I, I think that's a great idea. I've talked about this before. You know, I, I think one of the best ways to improve your life without working real hard at it is to just be more grateful for what you already have. I mean, many times we just take for granted how good we have it just to live in this country. But then, you know, we take somebody like yourself, you're in business for yourself, you found a good partner company. Those are things to really be thankful for. But what I find is when we are thankful and we show that gratitude, things get even better. I mean, it's really a win-win. Oh, yeah. um, I, I, I love the, the people over at Mercer. That is just an amazing company. And we only partner with two carriers, really. Uh, a couple others we've worked on some special projects with, and we'll continue to do that. But for now, you know, the only two companies we partner with are Landstar and Mercer, and I love them both. Uh, uh-huh. the, it, it's amazing to me what a different culture companies are able to build. You know, you, you look at most of the carriers out there, and, and it's not to say that they're bad companies, but it's hard to tell them apart. I mean, I, I could go find 50 companies yeah. to go lease to, and they're all going to be about the same. Um, but every now and then a company just stands out, and, and Mercer's one of those. They've built such a great culture over there. Yep, it's been great. I, uh, they, you know, they really helped me when I was getting started there, and, uh, you know, anytime I need something, I need to talk to somebody, or they're always right there. The, my coordinator's been great. You know, the freight's good. I'm making good money, and I'm, I'm just tickled to death and happy to be here. Yeah. we. You know, the, they sent uh, a big part of their management team to the CMC. Um, upper management spent all week with us there just about, and, and I was just very impressed. Very down-to-earth people really care about uh, their company and their owner-operators, and uh, we're, we're very thankful uh, to, to be partnered with them. Well, good. I'll be there at the CMC this next year. I'm looking forward to it. I also want to say thank you to you and the Let's Truck team. You guys have been a tremendous help uh, as me getting started with uh, with my own truck and with my own company here and Excellent. getting at it and running a business. Excellent. Great thank stuff. You. Thanks for the feedback. Look forward to seeing you at the CMC. And uh, as always, Mercer will have a big presence at the CMC. In fact, they get more and more involved every year, and we love that. Let's go to uh, Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Congratulations, Papa. 
Thank you. What can I help you with today? Many a time about doing a conditioning charge on your batteries. I have a charger. It's one of those big ones, like a got like a cart wheels you roll it around. One of them great big ones, right? But it has a three function switch. One of them says engine starts like two hundred amp. The other one is a quick charge at thirty five hundred or thirty five watt amp watts. That is, yeah. And the other one is a two. Or trickle charge. Is that the kind of charger I need to do that? Yes. And when I do it, do I just put the cables on the first battery in the series and just let it do it all together? Yes. Or do I have to remove the cables or move the charger from battery to battery? And how long do I leave it on there? How do I know when it's enough or not so much or all, can you tell me? all good questions. You can use the charger you have. The only downside, and it's not a big deal, is that you're going to have to manually switch it over. It, and that's not a big deal. There are some smart chargers that will do that automatically. They will start to step down their charging. And the the best explanation I've seen to understand this is is if you were to use that well, you're, like you say, you're 200 amps just to start. That's a jump start module at that point. You go to 35 amps, and that's charging pretty quickly. But that would be like putting a, a big glass in front of you and taking a big pitcher of water and just turning the pitcher upside down so the water goes into the glass as fast as possible. If it does that, you'll notice you'll never be able to fill up that glass. Because the water is going in so fast, as it gets to the top, it'll splash out. And then when you stop, you're going to notice that you didn't get to the top of the glass. That's exactly what happens with a battery if you try to charge it too fast. If you left that 35-amp charge on there, you would never get the last 10% or so of the battery charged. It would spill over. But if we start slowing down that charging rate, just like if we started slowing the water or pouring the water slower and slower, we would be able to trickle the water in and get it filled right to the top without spilling any over. And that's what we're doing with okay. a, with a, a smart charger. Uh, let me get to a break, and I'll come back, and uh, we can talk a little bit more about that because those are all good questions. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. If you need to call us here at Let's Truck, you can. We're always here to help. That number is 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment, so we're going to get right back to some phone calls. I was talking with Herschel in Ohio about batteries. Herschel, are you still with me? Yes, I am. All right. So that that is how that works. So the way you would do it is you would charge on that 35-amp uh, charge first, and then you would okay. switch it. 
when it when and I don't know what kind of indicators this one has or gauges or whatever, but when you get, you know, up around that 12 volt, you know, even though they're 12 volt batteries, we can charge them up into the 14 volt range. Uh, but when you start to get up around 12, 13, uh, that's when you're going to want to switch over to the trickle charge and let it finish on trickle. You don't need to move the, the cape. Uh, the, if you left it on there, you could leave it on there as long as you want. I don't know how long it's going to take to charge. That really depends on a lot of things, temperature, condition of the batteries, all kinds of things. Uh, again, okay. the, the smart chargers actually tell you, you know, you're at 13.6 volts and we're going to switch to float charging. Then you get to, you know, 13.9 volts and they switch to a different and it, it informs you and kind of manages the whole process for you. Uh, no big deal. Does it? It, 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 I would use the one you have. I wouldn't go out and buy another one. You know, leave it, put it on this charger anytime you get a chance. When you get up over 12 or 13 volts or so, then switch it to trickle and leave it on as long as you can. You know, if you're there all weekend, leave it on trickle all weekend. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. That's what I was wanting to know because I thought I understood what you said, but I wasn't sure. So Yeah. Now, okay. you know, battery conditioners, true battery conditioners. There's a company called Battery Tender that makes some true battery yeah. conditioners. Literally, you could leave their charger on a battery for 10 years. Yeah, because doesn't it turn itself on and right. off? Yeah, it totally. When the battery says it's got low low on power. Exactly. The, it, so. Right. The real condition battery conditioners manage that whole process. They turn themselves on and off. They charge when they need to. They stop when they don't. And literally, they will keep a battery functioning for a very long time. Okay. Good enough. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And you don't need to move cables. Uh put the cables on any of the batteries. It doesn't matter because we have a connection across all of them and all of them will accept that charge. Let's head off to South Dakota. Joe, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How are we doing today? Good. What can I help you with? Um, I'm a new lease purchase program driver and I'm starting to learn the new maintenance program. And I was brought into a 2015 Cascadia Evolution with the new Detroit, the DD-15. Uh, I've been arguing with people, when is the first oil change due on these trucks? Uh, on the DD-15, the oil change interval is 50,000 miles. That's the manufacturer's recommended. Okay, but they, I know, and I've been arguing with people, and they say being a, being, owning the truck, you should do shorter maintenance. So being... Not just somebody was telling me, oh, 10,000 miles. Oh, my God. Oil. Take take that person out back somewhere and just shoot them and put them out of their misery. 10,000-mile okay. oil changes is insane in today's world. I can't, oh, I can't afford that. You know, you're Nobody can. A full synthetic full synthetic trucks we're looking at what four to six hundred dollars even if we even if we didn't use synthetic uh to change your oil at ten thousand miles you might as well drive down the road holding your wallet upside down out the window and just scatter (laughs) your money i mean so you're saying even though this brand new off the lot 
I can wait till 50000 and go every 50000 and I'd be fine on maintenance. Absolutely. Not only is that what the manufacturer recommends, but we've also been tracking those engines with oil samples since they came out. And at 50,000 miles, they put out really clean oil samples. So, to, now I, it, it, sorry to interrupt you. Now, I want to do an oil sample at my 50,000, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay, now it will tell me breakdown of viscosity and all that for the truck, correct? Yeah, and it's, it's possible. See, I, I don't believe in putting a random number on oil changes. I like to do oil changes on what's called condition-based changes, meaning we take a sample, okay. we look at the oil, and decide if it needs to be changed or not based on the sample. So even though the manufacturer recommends 50,000, I've looked at tons of samples from DD-15s with, without any extra bypass filters, and I've said, you could go to 60 next time because at 50, your oil is really clean. So why not push it to 60 and see what happens? Now, if we put a, if we put a bypass system on a DD-15, my God, they go forever on that oil. What is a bypass? I'm sorry, I'm new to this. Okay. Um, there are, there's two, well, there's more than two, but we're going to talk about two different types of oil filtration. One is called full flow, which is what every engine already has. That's a, the filters that are on your engine. They're full flow. They're designed for the oil to go through that filter really fast, and it has to go through the filter fast in order to maintain oil pressure. So they can only filter down to about 30 microns or so. That means anything that is smaller than 30 microns is going right through the filter. It's not being taken out of the oil. Things like soot, um, liquid contaminants, um, any kind of moisture, fuel, coolant, none of those things are being filtered out. A bypass filter says, okay, we have the full flow filters on the engine. We'll leave them there. But we're going to put a bypass filter on, and we're going to pull a little bit of oil out of the engine at a time. We're going to run it through this super filter really slowly, and then we're going to put it back into the engine. And we're going to filter it so well, we're going to get that oil so clean with this filter that we're not going to need to change this oil for a very long time. I have, just to give you some extremes, I have several trucks right now that are over 400,000 miles on the same oil. Wow. So where do you go to the, do to the bypass? You go to your Freightliner then or anywhere? Uh, no, there's, there's several bypass systems on the market, and I started using and testing them back in the mid-'90s. So I've done very extensive testing, and we've settled on you know the filter we like best, which is made by OPS. The filter's uh, an eco-pure. And what I'll do is I'm going to put you back on hold, and Lisa can give you the information uh, for OPS and, and the eco-pure. You know, you can get the filter system installed everything for about $1,000. And then after that, you're going to save so much money on oil changes that the system pays for itself in less than a year. Let's go to uh, Idaho. Gary, welcome to the program. Hello, thanks for taking my call. Question on oil sampling companies. Do you get what you pay for? Most of you, you know, like your Polaris sample, a lot of them are 40 to $50. There's a company called Oil Scan that does the, what you think is a full test for $12. 
What's your thought? Uh, you do get what you pay for. In fact, even with Polaris, uh, you don't have to do that level of oil analysis. You can buy a, a less expensive test, and it they it just doesn't test for as much. But the the forty dollar sample that you always hear me reviewing from Polaris is the sample that we decided was the best value. These are the things you should be checking for because these are the things that could potentially cause problems and 30 or 40 bucks a sample is pennies really compared to what it can save you. Oh, absolutely. Okay, cuz on on the, their test, you know, it says the fuel dilution and you know all you the know, viscosities, you know. You know, so one of I'm, the things you could always is- try it, and it, we like Polaris. There's no question. We need to partner with one company. We don't want to be scattered all over to a bunch of different companies. So we partnered with Polaris after doing a lot of research because they really are one of the best labs in the country. And and it's just a matter of the type of equipment they have, how many locations they have, the types of tests they're able to do. And not all labs are are at that level. But the other thing you could do is you if you're looking at this company thinking yeah maybe this would be okay for me what i would do is i would i would do maybe a series of 3 or 4 samples uh over so if we're doing 25,000 miles samples four samples would be 100,000 miles i would do them with both labs i i would do polaris because that's the benchmark we know that polaris is is able to test for everything we need to know. So we could use Polaris as the benchmark. I would also send a sample to this other company you're interested in. And let's compare them. Yeah. Um, we've done that yeah. several times. And most of the time, people look at that cheaper company and say, yeah, the problem is they missed fuel dilution. They didn't get the soot right. You know, so it's not worth the little bit of money you save. But maybe this company's different. Give it a shot. All right, that's what we'll try. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Uh, I, I have no problem doing that. One, we want to. We've tested Polaris samples against many other labs. We we're confident in Polaris, uh, so we could use them as a benchmark and see how some of these other companies do. There's the music. The clock says I've got to get out of here. Jonesy's up next with the all night truck stop. Stick around for that. The website is letstruck.com. We'll see you back here next time. Thanks for joining me. Be safe, be profitable, do the hard work, and master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Rutherford.